Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Featured Anime Podcast. I'm your host, Jack. And I'm Rick. And today we are talking about The Wind Rises, or When the Wind Rises, depending on your preference. Um, but before that, we were talking about spreadsheets, Tom Cruise not being allowed to be called old, and a variety of other things. If you want to catch a part of that wider conversation, patreon.com slash featured anime podcast, a dollar a month will get you access to that bonus content. And if you want to buy the anime that we're actually talking about today, we do have an affiliate link for you in our show notes. It'll take you to Bright Stuff Anime. If you purchase anything using that affiliate link, we do get a little bit of a kickback and it is very much appreciated. And now onto the meat and brotatoes. <laughs> when the Wind Rises uh, aired in July 2013, uh, producer for it is uh, Nichion. The studio for it is Studio Ghibli. The source for it was a manga. The genres for it are drama and romance and historical, with a duration of two hours and about six minutes long. When the Wind Rises uh, starts off and really focuses on the life from when he's a kid with a lot of time skips all the way up through his adult life or into his adult life about a, a airline airplane engineer named uh, Jiro uh, Horikoshi. He, and it follows his life. Now it, while he is a real person, uh, the, the manga and more so the movie takes liberties and changes up some facts about his life. So they take an artistic approach uh, the real Jiro did not actually have a sister. He had a brother um, and he had a lot more insecurities and internal turmoil and, and issues with, with himself psychologically more than what the show actually or movie gives. However, uh, the, the movie does get right that he was very much infatuated and, and in love with planes. That's actually really interesting. I didn't realize that this was based off of even loosely a true story. Yeah, he he is based off of a true story. Um, what's what's also kind of interesting, too, is uh, they take some artistic liberties and, and they kind of and this is where Miyazaki's really, really comes into play. Uh, believe it or not, uh, Miyazaki is also a, a lover of planes from what I remember reading about him and everything like that. He's hence Ghibli's uh, mm-hmm. an Italian plane. Uh, the, one of the things though, that uh, Jiro never referenced, talked about or anything like that about uh, a Caproni, which is a Italian plane inventor or aircraft pioneer. If you want to call him that. Mm-hmm. Uh Jiro never talked about referenced, had dreams about or anything like that. One of the interesting things about this anime, though, is it during key political or not political, but key historical events, they take a very uh, lighthearted approach to it. I want to say, okay, what do you mean? 
So take uh, the Great Kanto Quake during 1923 that happened, right? Yeah, the the sound effects that they do for it, uh, you know, doesn't doesn't really uh, you know play to to what actually had happened, you know? Okay. Sound wise, you know. I, I mean, like, like I they, was looking at that. I was gonna say they they do more of a of um like they they do kind of that a uh, historical viewpoint of it, right? Where they mm-hmm. use exaggerated sounds or effects that were actually created by person. So breathing and blowing into the microphone, trying to create the sound effects of the fires or the earthquake and the rattling and the train and everything like that. To, I feel like to try and kind of lighten up what's actually happening. I can see that. Now, what I was really interested in and what, what kind of, it's, I'm not going to lie. It, it didn't annoy me, but one of the things that I thought was frustrating for lack of a better way to put it was I couldn't tell where, where things began and where things like stopped, you know, like one of the things that annoyed me was I had no idea when he was in a dream and when he wasn't, were you able to find out or figure it out or lack of a better way to put it? I mean, you're able to kind of figure out when he's in a dream and when he isn't simply because they take more of a uh, gamified approach to it. Than anything else? I mean, yeah, but at the same time, it, it didn't feel to me, at least it didn't feel fluid. Maybe that's, that's not the right way to put it. That's, that's not the right word, but it, it just didn't feel, it felt fantastic. It felt very fantastical and, and not in the, Oh, this makes perfect sense. Kind of way, you know, this felt very, um, I, I don't have a good way to put it. Damn it. Um, this felt very, imagination focused and to the point where I couldn't tell it took time to realize if he was dreaming, if he was awake, if it actually happened or, or really anything, the story itself is fantastic. And I don't want to take anything away from that. It's just that when I was watching it, the time skips were inconsistent. The, the cut away to dreaming inconsistent. Um, the imagination was amazing. And when I was in a dream and you saw the dude show up with the mustache, the French guy, I I couldn't figure out which way they were going, you know? And I didn't know if it granted studio Ghibli amazing. And I was really hoping that they would take a spiritual turn on this, but they didn't. Um, They kept it very, what do you mean? Spiritual turn for it. Fantastic. Fantastical, spiritual, a magic almost. The only thing that was magic, in my opinion, was <laughs> the different designs of planes that actually were thought of and actually were like, hey, this could work. And then it just didn't. Um, I really loved that no matter how many failures they had, and they had plenty of failures. I want to point that out right now. Um, amidst all the failures, it didn't it didn't look bad, you know? So it just, it, it made me feel all warm and fuzzy. Kind of good. I gotcha. But no, so the, the show itself was very fantastical. And again, with Studio Ghibli, I love the fact that, yeah, you take a side, either politically or emotionally, you don't really ever see blame. And even though it was World War I, between World War I and World War II, 
I loved that the message that was brought forth was planes are not meant for war. They're meant for enhancing experience, enhancing travel. And as a plane enthusiast myself, I mean, heck, I got a job at the airport and I told you about it. You showed up, too. It was kind of fantastic time. I, all I did was fuel airplanes. But dear Lord, the 737 and the 757, I, I dealt with the 737s mostly. I would sleep in the, the engine compartment. It was just fascinating how large everything is and how, how intricate and the smallest tweak would change the aerodynamics, the, the feel, the flight. Like it was fantastic. I loved every second of it. And I, I remarked several times I would do it for less money. Dumb, dumb younger me says that. But it was, fa- it was phenomenal. And the planes, they're damn near magic, you know? Yes. And they, they really brought that out here, I felt at least. They did. They did. They did bring out the, the fact that it is magic, magical. Uh, they definitely went with that very fantasy style orientation for it, where you got to see this magical world that they really kind of uh, delve in. Right. And as mm-hmm. and going back to the point to where magical or fantasy style of it was when they're in the dream world, how everything was the flow of of what's going on, even for how the planes were flying and the sounds that they were making majority of the time, they actually made it sound very fantasy oriented. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, one of the things that I find very peculiar in the dream, Jiro and Caproni are having a, having a conversation right now, typically Mm -hmm. in a lot of the studio Ghibli films or things like that, you have this mentor figure for the, for the boys or something like that. And, the Ghibli films, uh, there's typically a mentor. In this case, I feel like instead of it being uh, Jiro's father, which we know is alive and well, mm-hmm. uh, I feel like that maybe it was uh, meant to be Caproni. Okay, that's fair. I, I can see that. One of the things... <laughs> I'm sorry, remembering my reaction. One of the things that got me going... For it being slightly unrealistic is uh, when in one of his first meetings with Cabrone, um, he has a dream about everything falling apart and him just plummeting to earth. And then someone wakes him up. And I remember telling my wife the reaction to him waking up in a dream where he was plummeting to earth typically isn't what happened. Oh, okay. It'd be me freaking out going. "Ah!" Right. Like making spastic reactions to being woken up from that kind of dream. And he's just like, oh, it's, I was I was flying. It was great. Never mind the impending doom that he should have been feeling. But yeah, I, it just was... goes to his love of planes and love of being in the air, I feel. Because his no. focus was never falling to the ground. It was looking at the planes as he was falling. Yeah, or just enjoying being in the sky and being around everyone having to deal with it. Now, what's what's really inter- what's really interesting about this is they they focus on a lot of the key events that are happening throughout the show and taking focal points for it and kind of I want to say shedding light on on how life actually was like or one of the things, right? They had a uh, mm-hmm. 
or the sanitarium, right? Or where people actually went to go get healed and healthy and everything like that. Or lack thereof, yeah. Right. So one of the one of the characters that and this is where the romance thing kind of comes into play around I want to say the second half, if not a little bit later than that in the movie. Uh mm-hmm. Jiro ends up falling for uh uh what's her name? Uh Satomi, I think is her name. Sure. Girl. I'm, I'm great with names, so I'll just yeah. you know. <laughs> we're gonna go yes. All right, the little girl he saves. Right, the girl he saves. Well, she ends up developing a fatal disease. Uh, I think it's, uh, I always want to say it's uh, tuberculosis. I believe it is. That is absolutely correct. She she caught TB or tuberculosis. Thank you. I was, I, for some reason in my mind, that wasn't right. But I was like, I know it's tuberculosis. I know it's got to be that. <laughs> uh, anyways, the sanitarium that she goes to is in the mountains and it's in a cold area and they're outside. Yep. And that was yep. that was one of the that was leading edge, cutting edge in the the late thirties, early thirties, cutting edge for trying to health and and the mentality behind it too was just really outrageous. But and so it's easy for us to get really disconnected. It's like, oh, we would never do anything that dumb. Like you would never just be outside in the cold, breathing in cold air while you're fighting tuberculosis. Because that seems like a great idea to help make you get better. Never, you would <laughs> never think that. But this also helps shed yeah. light on that. No, totally. That was considered cutting edge medical science at the time. And it's also easy to think, oh, that was hundreds of years ago. And it's like, well, no, <laughs> not quite. I mean, yeah, but- I mean, pretty close. Pretty close to 100 years ago, <laughs> but not quite. Yeah. Well, I, I to piggyback off of what you're saying, I thought it was hilarious because I've had asthma my entire life. Well, mostly. And one of the things that when it was going on in the in the movie, I was like, that seems perfect. I understand the logic behind it. You need fresh, clean, crisp air, you know. But yeah. when you're struggling to breathe, you don't need thinner oxygen. Yeah, and it's like running a marathon and you're like, oh, God, I can barely breathe. And the doctor goes, run 23 more miles. Your, your symptoms will clear up. No problem. Yeah. But yeah, you also have to understand it's like the, the mentality and the science behind everything was different. Just like for them, a lot of things that we take for granted today. And and Jiro was they stayed true to it. He was a phenomenal aircraft engineer. Mm. He and Yeah. He created the zero fighter that Japan used in World War II. They they used those planes. No, I, and it, I have a weird question. Okay. Yes, go ahead. Sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Um, as I typically do. Uh, my question was: He mentioned before they need to make it lighter, mm-hmm. potentially even foregoing weaponry. Mm-hmm. Is the zero fighter one of the planes used in in kamikaze attacks? No, the zero. I mean. Zero fighter, basically, they were given enough fuel for a one-way trip, and so when they mm. would spend their ammunition, they would crash the plane. Then, gotcha. It, it was meant no, I mean, for that, that maximum. It was meant for maximum damage. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, hundred percent agree with that. So, no uh, analogy, at least. No, it, it, the zero fighter was a standard 
dogfight plane. It was fast. It was quick. It was very agile. It was cutting edge. However, if you spent your ammo, you, you would use your shit, your plane as you know, the last remaining thing. And you would take, try to take out as many people as possible. So it's not just the plane crashing. It's you're out there, you're fighting, you're shooting, and then you're crashing. Mm-hmm. No, it makes sense. It, it, from a, from an army standpoint, no higher honor. You died fighting for what you believe in. Yep. And yeah, it just, it amazes me that that even happened, that someone's got that much dedication. But if you believe in what you're fighting for, literally anything is possible. But again, I, we're going way off topic with that. And I apologize. I, I let us down that path. But again, Studio Ghibli does an amazing job on not blaming anybody, either as the aggressor or as the retaliation. And I, I can't get enough because it's a damn good story. And well, this, just this, to your point. Oh, no, I was going to say they, they only lightly touch on World War II. They end the story mm-hmm. as it gets to the point to where he develops the Zero Fighter for it. And they reference him to having developed it. The story doesn't revolve around that. It revolves around him, his life growing up, and they do a lot of time skips. And and yeah. then his development of the the love of his life, where he finally does meet someone that pulls him out of that element, that pulls him out of that that focal point of of focusing strictly on planes. They they focus mm-hmm. on he focuses on the person that he truly and deeply loves. I thought it was really cool, really interesting and really well done that he starts courting her, courting, 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 courting. I feel like I'm saying that wrong, but I think I'm saying it You're right. Good. You're good. <laughs> Sorry. He starts interacting with her, trying to woo her to him, to his appeal with airplanes. Like mm-hmm. He's using his own passion to make himself more attractive to her, to interact. And it was wonderfully done. Yes. Um, with paper airplanes. And I, he had like eight or nine different ways he was doing it. He noticed that the one she had was um, not returning when she would throw an airplane off the. They only the showed balcony. two planes. They didn't have like eight or nine. They only had oh. a couple. Why did I think it was eight or nine? Uh, I guess it would. Yeah. might've been just two. Ugh. Yeah. They, but still the, the point of it was that he was trying to get her attention. And however, I don't think it was more so that I think it was more so that he was trying to create an interaction with her. So that way she didn't feel isolated because she was, she was sick. She had her Mm. illness. And so he was trying to create that interaction with her. That makes sense. I can see, I can see that going that way. I, my, my point for even saying that was that he used everything in his wheelhouse. He didn't, he didn't present as something he's not. And it goes to, if you're just yourself and your genuine self, someone will eventually come into your area, I guess your area of expertise here. You don't have to be true to yourself and everything follows I guess is there, yeah. is their message. And it, it, it's awesome. I love it. I think towards the end of the movie, and this is where I was so confused on, is he dreaming or is he dead? Because, you know, it, it's just the time skips, everything like that. The, mm-hmm the transitions from sleeping to awake were just so smoothly done. I couldn't tell the difference. True. True. However, when he was asleep, that's when they took on a more fantasy approach for it. That's fair. Okay. Yeah. No, I mean, 
Yeah, that makes sense. A few times I thought he actually met. Ah, crap. What's his name? Caproni? No, that's not it. Caproni? The French. Caproni? Caproni, and he's not Caproni. French. He's a Caproni, and he's Italian. Caproni. The Italian. I thought he was France. No, he's French. Uh, he, he's not French. He's, he's Italian. That makes a lot of sense. Holy cow. I mean, I thought he, he was French, and I thought <laughs> the flag looked off. No, that makes so much sense. He's Italian. Yeah. They they referenced him as being Italian. They said he was Italian. And then I also talked about how the Italian aircraft pioneer, Caproni. I was so confused at that, but I was like, no, we'll we'll talk about it later. Yeah, I was wrong. Either way, (laughs) it's it. I think it's very the, the my error really doesn't matter too, too much. Um, I, I did think the flags were wrong or off, but yeah, that but why, him being why? Italian makes far more okay. sense. Yes. So, but you were saying, oh, um, yeah, I couldn't tell when it was a dream or when it wasn't like the, the earthquake that happened. I think you said it was in 1923 or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. But I didn't you, know if that was had, part of a dream sequence. Yeah. But you had said you had thought he met Caproni because. Oh, because it happens so often. Like his dream, it, it, it was so random when it would, when we'd have those dreams and Caproni said, Oh, you're in my dream. This is what I want to show. And it was really interesting to me. I thought they were actually sharing a dream, like going into the dream world and like mingling, if that makes any sense, sharing ideas and whatnot. Cause he had the idea of a passenger plane, uh, a good 10 minutes prior to actually seeing the initial attempt to take off. Yes, but it could have just been in, in the magazine he got. Well, you think maybe? Well, that's the thing, right? That's where I feel like the fantasy portion of it really comes into play is is that they they did have I want to say an intertwined dream where they were interacting with each other, and that's why I said it it created more of a uh, a like an older father guiding guiding figure, right? Because that's like, you know, his father was there. However, it wasn't the guiding, the guidance that he wanted for his life. Whereas of this, it led him down the path for it. That makes sense. I mean, I, I guess I got to agree with it, but um, hmm. I'm honestly really surprised. Most of this was taken off of uh, some like real events. I'm yeah. really happy to see that. Granted, yeah. they took some major liberties like we had mentioned before, but yeah, I didn't realize any people were real, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh it it is it is it is nice to see that they did take uh take realistic of it. I mean, like and it's something that that really happened happens a lot. Uh mm. with one of the exceptions being um a movie that I will talk about later on in the uh Okay. In the post show. But Well, I know that you and I had talked earlier about it before the part two, and you mentioned that he was working for a car company. Mitsubishi, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. that's that's not what I'm talking. Oh, um, okay. Like, uh, uh, and Jiro did work for Mitsubishi, and they did develop the Zero Fighter for it. So this this how he was though in the in real life. Again, it really doesn't do it justice, right? Because he mm-hmm. was in real life, he was a lot more timid. He had a lot more internal struggle, and he dealt a lot more with with uh having anxiety or, or, or grappling with not being good enough, not being 
upgrade or anything like that. Things that we typically, you and I will struggle with, right? He struggled with that, but to an excess degree where it was uh, mm. much more prevalent for him, where, where it was almost crippling sometimes for him, to my understanding. Whether or not that's true, whether or not I'm right is another story entirely, but that's my understanding of it. Um, great men in history typically have great struggles to go through. Greatness doesn't always present itself. You have to fight for it, you know? I mean, like sometimes greatness does present itself in, in some fashion. Like yeah. being isekai'd into another world and being all powerful <laughs> right away. But that's beside the point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, greatness is not typically thrust upon you except in stories. I, I find it very I find this story, now that you've given me a little bit more context on it, inspiring a little bit. Because I love planes. I, I do. They they're fantastic. They shouldn't fly, but they do. They're honestly, in my opinion, a modern marvel that if I had more free time and I had a lot more money, so I didn't have to focus on advancing my career. I would probably do a lot more with planes, either not necessarily as models, but flying the airplanes. Like you right. and I did that. No, but, it wasn't you. But, but I mean, it's one of those things that I feel like it's a luxury to have that in uh, that that fascination and being able to act on it. You know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and that really comes through here, especially for uh, uh, Jiro. I mean, like they show his passion, his his love for it and it's something that anyone honestly can really rally behind and get it and and understand because we all every one of us all have a passion or something that we're really passionate about that we could just get lost in doing for hours on end non-stop no matter what and it's uh it's honestly it's it's comforting to see that they focused on on someone on a show that that is very passionate about something like that to a to a degree to where you can understand it like when you love doing something you will get lost doing it for hours yeah Yeah, time flies when you're having fun and if you're passionate about something it's nothing but frustration and fun (laughs) you know yeah i feel it's the same coin on different sides if it's uh it's wonderful i honestly i don't have too much more i could yeah it's a great movie but it's a great movie, has a good story, has a lot of meaning to it, but it's for very shallow. It's, it's, it's a lot of it's very surface. There's not a lot of, yeah. there's, it's not super heavy in dialogue. Now, if you want something that visually looks great, it's very visually appealing, this is it. You will get that. And you can see a lot of, especially, uh, I want to say between this and Howl's Moving Castle, you can see a lot of simula- similarities in between the two. When it comes to a certain designs oh, or character animations and things like that, the the design between those two were these two are are very very similar when it comes to some things. So it's it's easy to 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 kind of get lost in it. Yeah. So I guess this would be if you wanted more real world uh, visuals instead, like Howl's Moving Castle was very fantastical, whereas this is very practical. Yes. Most of the time. Yes. <laughs> Except when you're in a dream sequence. <laughs> yes. Yes. So uh, real quick. I'm mm. oh, sorry. Go ahead. So really quick. What <laughs> do you have in any of the fantastical designs that, that happened in the movie? Um, in the, in the dream sequences, do you have any, any particular planes that stand out as being comically engineered or quite, uh, 
interesting. To give you an example, I'll tell you mine. The passenger plane that the bottom was a soft bottom and specifically mentioned the, the, the Cambroni um, was like, hey, if you guys keep moving around, you're going to fall out. And I, I thought that was hilarious. Well, I don't I don't think that it was necessarily because it was a soft bottom. I think it was just because of how rowdy they were being. Well, that's not as fun as well. How I was thinking. it. <laughs> I was thinking in my head, like, how is it going to land? It's got a soft body. You're just going to roll and pull everyone out. I mean, it's a dream, so they're all going to survive. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah. What's also really great is um, they show the effects of him developing, creating, designing planes and everything like that. And they also give you some really kind of hard, harsh viewpoints. Would you and and as Caproni puts it in there, he goes, would you rather live in a world with pyramids or without pyramids? Right. Yeah. With pyramids, like you get to do what you love. You get to see this, you get to create this wonderful piece of machinery. Understand that there are going to be people or instances where it's not just going to be just for flying. It's going to be used for horrific acts. Mm-hmm. Or if you want to have a world without pyramids where that's not going to happen, you're not going to have the world where you have the planes and the, the flights and everything like that. So you have to make a choice. What kind of world do you yeah. want to live in and let that be your guidance? Like you want to live in a world where we're creating the objects that ultimately bring you joy and happiness, or do you want to create a, create a world where, where those objects do happen to be, but understand that Bro, that's not, deep. not everyone's going to want to, have it. That's deep as heck. Jeez, Lord. Yeah. Do you want to live in a world with or without pyramids? Do you want to live in a world where you have trials and tribulation and you're at the pinnacle of happiness? Or do you want a life that's just blah, where you don't know the difference between either one? Right. I mean, obviously, yeah, it, it's a no brainer in my opinion. Like if you've ever been happy or if you've ever been sad, you, you need one or the, you need them both to, to identify which one's which. You can't always be happy because then you'll never be happy, you know? Yeah. And that's a perfect analogy. Jeez, I didn't even think that I was going to have that <laughs> that much of a, of a, wow, they're, they're smart moment on this podcast, to be honest, on yeah. this particular episode. No, nope. well, you know what? You never know, man. A lot <laughs> of things surprise you. All right. I mean, I was going to say, I hate to say it, there's not much more. Right. So on a scale of up to 10, sir, how would you rate this? Well, before I spoke to you, I was walking in at a solid nine. However, you did bring up a lot of things that were problematic with either the story or the show itself. Um, So I'm going to reassess at a seven. It's something I would recommend watching to somebody else. It is something I would be more than happy to watch again, but I don't think it's something I'd want to watch more than twice because they, because it is so simple in its, in its delivery, there's not much depth. A second viewing is just going to re remind me of what I watched before. You know, it's not going to give me any new, any new insight. Right. Um, I'm giving it a seven. Give it a seven. Okay. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll actually, Music was amazing. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll actually marry you on that. And the reason why I'm going with the seven, uh, it's a great show or movie rather. 
it's very entertaining for what it is. It is shallow in substance. However, this is kind of a movie that I could put on in the background and just mm-hmm. have playing while I'm doing something else. It's something that after having watched it once, I already know what roughly was going to end up happening. So I don't need to, to really pay attention to it. You know, that makes sense. So it's, it's something that's great for background noise is what I'm saying. Okay. Something you don't really need to pay attention to. Right. I did notice that it did offer an English version. Did you watch the English version or the subtitled version? Both. With original audio. Both. Both. Both, both, both. Jeez. And, I was say, so you really know that a second viewing doesn't really help too much. Yeah. Uh, but oh, honestly, both are good. Hey, you could watch either one and it'll be it'll be fine. I mean, like, honestly, it was a it was licensed by Disney and brought it over here into the U.S. So, you know, that they put money into it for the talent. Mm, that makes sense. OK. I was going to say, I, I saw it in English. I didn't realize there. I mean, I realized there was one in subtitles, but I had already made the purchase. So I, mean, I own it now. So oh, there you go. that's going to tell you something. Yep. Well, uh, that's all the time that we have for today. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, if you feel like uh, maybe I should tell you, do you feel like I should tell you what we're watching next week? Rick? Yeah. Uh, we're going to be watching a recommendation from Jeb. In our Discord server, it's called Riddle Story of Devil. Aside from the name, I know nothing about it. So it'll be interesting to see what uh, what comes of it. Um, that's all the time that we have for today. If you feel like uh, we got something right, something wrong, did it too much justice, not enough justice, just plain old being ridiculous, feel free to let us know. Uh, all our contact information and everything like that are in the show notes for you. You can also go to our website, FeaturedAnimePodcast.com you want to hear some of the pre and post show content that we usually do, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash featured anime podcast, a dollar a month to get you access to that bonus content. And we do have an affiliate link for you in the show notes. It'll take you to write stuff anime directly to where we actually, uh, where you can buy the movie that we just talked about today and, uh, it'll help support us. Of course, anything that you buy using that link will get us a little bit of a kickback, very much appreciated. And if you want to buy some of our own swanky swag, you can go to shop.featuredanimepodcast.com. And until next time, I'm Jack. I'm Rick. And we hope you fly with us next time. <laughs> Later. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.